please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter number 6. For those of you that are visiting with us, or maybe uh, our own folks that have been gone for a while, we began a short series last Sunday on the essentials of the Christian faith. Uh, John, chapter number 6. As soon as you find your place, if you'll join us by standing. And by the way, if you're visiting with us on every other pew and at the ends of the aisles, we have some black pew Bibles. You're welcome to join along with us. And John chapter number 6. Instead of skipping every other verse, I'm, we have two passages or two different places in John 6 we'll read together. And so I'm going to ask if we'll read all the verses in unison together. We'll begin John chapter 6, verse 33 through uh, 35. And then we'll go 48 through 51. John 6, 33, would you read together? For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Go with me, please. Verse 48 through 51. Read together. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh from heaven, and that a man eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man will eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Very simple message this morning, and the second in the series, The Essentials of the Christian Faith. I want to talk to you this morning about the sustenance of the Christian faith. Preacher, I can't do this. Some Christians will say, yes, you can. Yes, I can. Not only can we, we should. But where do we get the power? Where do we get the spirit? How can we do what we should do inside the Christian faith. How many of you that are saved and on your way to heaven, you want to hear, as Brother Stephen said, one day you stand before your Savior and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Where do we get that ability? We'll talk about that this morning, the sustenance of the Christian faith. Father, help us this morning. How I've missed this place this week. It was simply one service. We were not together. And yet how I long for the house of God. David said in the Psalms that he yearned and longed and would even rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I understand that. This place is special to us, not necessarily because of the building and the property, but because of the people and because of what you do in our hearts when we come. And today is no different. From pastor to people, we each bring to this morning's service different needs. We look to your word, your divine word, your inspired word, your inerrant word to speak to us. I pray for that one that may not know Christ as Savior. May they not see a church or a pastor or a people. May they see a Savior and desire him and accept him. But the majority of us have made that decision, accepted Christ as Savior. Would you help us to understand the duty beyond, uh, upon us to live the Christian life, to bring honor and glory to you. Would you speak to us through your word? Draw us by your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
hours drifting away on life's pitiless sea and the angry waves threatened my ruin to be when my side there I dimly described a stately old vessel and loudly I cried ship ahoy ship ahoy and loudly I cried ship ahoy was the old ship of Zion thus sailing along all aboard her seemed joyous I heard their sweet song and the captain's kind ear ever ready to hear caught my wail of distress as I cried out in fear. Ship ahoy, ship ahoy. As I cried out in fear, ship ahoy. The good captain commanded a boat to be lord, and with tender compassion he took me on board. And I'm happy today, and all my sins washed away in the blood of my Savior. And now I can say, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. From my soul I can say, bless the Lord. Oh, soul sinking down neath sin's merciless wave, the strong arm of our captain is mighty to save. Then trust him today, no longer delay. Board the old ship of Zion and shout on your way. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, shout and sing on your way, Jesus saves. I know oftentimes you don't see what we see as the service is put together. I want to, I'm thankful this morning for some people that stepped up because we have several that are sick and away, and that was not supposed to be this special this morning. At least we didn't plan it, but the Lord did. Thank you, Brother Stephen, for helping us. And uh, Sydney Miller is so kind. Kathy is sick today, and so Sydney is, is interpreting for us for the deaf. Thank you, Sydney, for stepping up and helping us with that. Take your Bible, if you would please, John chapter number 6. 
a very simple message, the essentials of the Christian faith. I want you to go back to last week. We looked at this as we examined the first and the lessons. What is the nature of a Christian? Uh, the nature of a Christian. Uh, just as a review, last week we said this. The, they were called Christians first where? At Antioch. Uh, the followers of Jesus Christ before uh, Antioch weren't called Christians. They were called people of the way, followers, believers, brethren. But the people of Antioch watched as these newfound followers uh, began to uh, live their lives. And they said, these people remind us of somebody, uh, and they likened them to Christ himself. I want to remind you what we learned last week, that the nature of a Christian, what happened with these early Christians in the church at Jerusalem and, or there in Antioch, how did people look at them and say they're different? There's something strange or peculiar about them. They picked up the passion of Christ. Can I say this to you this morning? Jesus tells us what his passion was and is. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man has come to what? To seek and save that which was lost. And these early believers picked up that passion of Christ and and, and, and they went everywhere. The Bible says they turned the world upside down. They picked up that passion. And I would say this to you as a child of God. If you name the name of Christ, should we not too pick up that passion of Jesus Christ? Should we not care where lost men and women and boys and girls are going to spend their eternity? And I would implore you, and, and we implored ourselves as a pastor and people last week, Let's pick up the passion of Christ. They, we learned that not only picked up the passion, but they picked up the purpose of Christ. Uh, we look at this on, as we're studying on Sunday night on prayer and basing it out of what some call the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Preacher, get your hands off of my life. I'm going to live and do what I want to live and do. You can do that. But your life and mine was given to us for a purpose and a reason. We pick up his passion. We pick up his purpose. And this was not the one that put a smile on our face, but we should expect his sufferings. If you're going to be like Jesus, if you're going to walk with the Lord, then you're going to suffer for his name. Can I say this to you? It would be no different today in America. Do you think it would be any different if Jesus came to America today? Do you think they would hang him on a cross in an instant? And so for those of you and I that name the name of Christ, we understand that we would experience the suffering of Christ. Now go with me about today's message. Where is the sustenance of the Christian life found? Where can we find the ability to live the Christian life successfully? Christian life. The word life suggests development and growth. My wife and I and our family are going through a little bit of a different week. A young lady, our niece, carried a little baby to term. About 20 weeks, 22 weeks, the doctors did some examining and said this baby's not going to make it. We would advise you to terminate the pregnancy. 
we watched and we prayed and prayed and prayed daily and prayed as a family and prayed as a couple that God might work some kind of a miracle. And on Friday, about 9.30 in the morning in Bozeman, Montana, Cammie went in to give birth. And that little baby had an hour and 15 minutes of life. And then God called her home. God doesn't make any mistakes. But can I say this to you? When we think of life, we think of development, don't we? We think of growth. The Christian life cannot. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to follow me. The message this morning is very simple message indeed, but it's going to be bound by three or four basic biblical principles that we cannot get away from. And here's the first. The Christian life cannot be separated from a constant, ongoing relationship with Christ himself. Sometimes we think we come and some of you have gotten saved at these altars or someplace you got saved and, and you know you're saved and on your way to heaven. And Sometimes we think that the Christian life, to be redeemed or saved, we get a spiritual steroid and that's time released. And as we live the Christian life, we're just always and automatically going to have the power to be victorious and that is not true. Christian life cannot be separated from a constant ongoing relationship with Christ himself. Look in your Bible. Some of you can quote these verses. John chapter number 3. It is through Christ alone that we are born again into the family of God. You need and I need no man to get forgiveness of sin for us. There's therefore now one mediator between God and man, this man, Christ Jesus. If you've ever heard a man say or a church say you need to pay or do something for forgiveness of sin, that is not biblical. Jesus paid for your sin and mine on Calvary's cross. When he said it is finished, the payment for man's sin was paid for. And if we by faith believe that and come to him, our sins can be paid for for all of eternity, Isaiah 53. Verse number 1 through 6, the Bible says there that they despised and rejected our Savior, but he carried, he bore our griefs and our sorrows to Calvary's cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? For you and for me, that we might have a home in heaven. But in John chapter number 3, we see this. Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. Uh, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, and can I say this to you this morning, the same words that Jesus, the same of, of, uh, of admonishing that Jesus gives to Nicodemus is for all of us. What did he tell a good man, a ruler? Look at your words there. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Do those words smite you? 
Do they convict you? Because they should. At the age of 12 in Monument, Colorado, and I had come down to the altar a couple different times and prayed and even been baptized one time because there was a crusade and, and, and my sisters, I was sick, but my sisters went and got saved and they gave them a little pack of scriptures. And I said, Terry, how did you get those? And she said, just go tomorrow when you go. And at the end of the service, they'll have an invitation. You go down and, and you pray a prayer with this man and he'll give you those scriptures. I don't know what the preacher preached on, but when it was over, I had one job in mind. That night, I'm going down, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to get my little pack of scriptures. Don't ever do this, altar workers. Don't put words in somebody's mouth. Let them tell you why they're coming. I came down, and that altar worker, male altar worker, said to me, Son, have you come to get saved? Sure. And I prayed. And I was baptized, but I wasn't saved. And as I grew, as I started in that church when I was age of 12, I remember this being in a bonfire. And really, i got, I got to be honest with you, I went to the bonfire to see the girls. A teen group? There are going to be a lot of pretty girls in the bonfire, at the bonfire. And I went to that bonfire expecting roast marshmallows and hot dogs. My youth pastor, Brother Jerry Williams, gave a short devotion, and the Holy Spirit of God smote my heart. And I heard those words uh, from the Lord himself through his spirit. You must be born again. Your dad's a trustee. You grew up in this church, but you're not saved. You must be born again. And can I, with all the compassion that Christ said to Nicodemus, reach out to you and say this to you. You don't need a church, and you don't need the waters of baptism. What you and I need is a Savior. And Jesus came and died. And can I say this? too, you must be born again. Nicodemus goes on, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, I say unto you, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The spirit is the sight of man, that God comes and moves in your, in your being and mine, and it is made alive once we're saved. Everything, think about this. It is through Christ alone that we gain sustenance to be born again. But it's also through Christ alone that we gain the sustenance to live the Christian life. Now follow me very simply. Everything that has life finds its ability to sustain life outside of its own life. Am I right? Am I right? Mothers, those of you who have children... God forbid a doctor, a pediatrician who's now the governor of Virginia. When somebody asked him on a campaign trail, how long should a lady be able to have an abortion? And what will you do if that baby is born outside mama's womb? A man who's the governor of Virginia said this, we'll make it comfortable, we'll make him happy. And then we'll go back and ask mama what you want to do. While the baby's dying, that little baby needs a mama. That little baby needs sustenance from mama. That little baby cannot live life outside of mama. And you, it, it, you can carry that on to a plant or you can carry that on to an animal. Each and every one of us that have life, we depend on something outside of our life to sustain that life. Now stay with me. Every source of sustenance is in the hands of deity. 
Can the birds, can the birds, did the Lord tell us, don't worry about tomorrow? Because that little sparrow, I feed that little sparrow. Is that little sparrow, is its food in the hands of an almighty God? Oh, yes. One of the darkest days when Kathy and I were at Oak Valley Hospital and our son was laying on a hospital bed hanging between life and death. And it was one of the darkest days. And I found a little place where just the Lord and I, and it looked dark that day. And I didn't know if we were going to have some hours to spend with him anymore. And I got something to drink and I found a place. And there in that little coffee shop and I looked outside a plate glass window and I was doubting what God was doing. And a little sparrow came and he made his way on the table. And God said, I feed that sparrow and I know what's going on with your son. We make these two statements. We said, first of all, everything that has life finds its ability to continue in life by forces outside itself. Can I say this to you today? If you're in this room and you're living and you're breathing, you have the greatest gift God can give you. You have life. And God gave you that life. But that life cannot sustain itself by itself. Mamas, you did this. I remember when I did it, I'm sure. But I remember when my mom would do this. I don't know why. Ladies, do you still do this? You hang a bib on those little guys or girls. And you open that horrible little little jar of Gerber strain pea baby food. No wonder they spit it out. How many mamas you did this? Oh, you shoveled there and shoved it in there. And you scraped it off her face or his face and you shoveled it back. Isn't she so cute? That little boy, that little boy or that little girl needs a mama. Needs somebody. But think about this. And those groceries you bring home, where did they come from? Kroger's? No. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from where? Above. So God, we say this, that that we need something outside ourselves to continue to live. And we also say this, every source of sustenance is the hands of deity. Look in your Bible. Matter of fact, I think, Brother Josh, if you put some of these, because there's a lot of verses, oftentimes we have new Christians, we'll put some of these up up on the screen. But look at Colossians. I don't think this is it. Brother Josh here, Colossians chapter 1, turn with me if you would please, I love this. Yeah, it is. Good. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. Now follow me. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Is that you? All right. He's speaking to us. Which are our Colossi, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now watch, it's going to build up. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of uh, the truth of the gospel. Now watch this, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and ye knew the grace of God. This is how we got saved. The grace of God, the truth of God came to us. We received it. Now watch it. He's talking about who he learned from. But I want you to look at this in your, and Josh may, may fast forward to these. I want you to go down to verse number 16. Brother Josh, did we have those up there? I think we stopped at 15. Look in your Bible if you would. Colossians 1, 16. For by him, remember we said this, we said everything that has 
life also depends on other sources to maintain that life. And we said that everything that is a source to maintain life comes from the hand of God. Look at verse 16. For by Him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, would you read this together for me? All things were by Him and for Him, and He is before all things. Now, what does it say? Look at your Bible. Say it out loud. All things. If our God, our eternal God, creator God, took his hands off of the creation that he created, the atoms would explode and fall apart. What is holding our world together? The God of the creator God has his hands. I'm going to say this to you. I understand this. And people that don't know or love our God say this. And I think, I know, don't get mad at me. I believe that God so created our world that we could not destroy it with an automobile. Now, that's just what I believe. But, 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 preacher, climate change. I often think they started with global warming, didn't they? And that didn't work because, in fact, temperatures started to get cooler. All right? Then they went and found one skinny polar bear up somewhere in the Arctic or whatever and took a picture of that plasma. And I'm going to say this to you. Listen to this. God's got his hand on all of creation. So we said that everything finds its being in God and forces outside of men. Now think about this. So God alone then is self-sufficient. What makes him God? Does he, does our God depend on anything or anybody to, to continue to exist? No, he's self-existent, all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. That's our God. He doesn't depend on any outside forces to continue to exist. So what does that mean? Look at John 15. Now, stay with me. We're going to bring all this together. John 15. Brother Stephen did a wonderful job in men's prayer yesterday, and he stole my message. All right? John 15, so we would say this, therefore, my life in Christ is never self-sufficient. Is that you? Can I say this to you? And I'm the pastor. I need you. Brother Sonny, I missed you last week. Tom and Mary, I missed you last week. Some of you, I missed you. You say, preacher, get over it. <laughs> get over it. You know what? My world was turned upside down because we didn't have church on Wednesday. I was all messed up. And we all were. Kathy was no better, nor was Karen. We thought Thursday was Friday and Friday was Saturday. We were ready to do church on Saturday instead of Sunday. Why? Because I need you. And can I say this? I hope you need each other. Can I say this to you? But we all need Jesus. You, once you're saved, are not self-sufficient, and I'm not self-sufficient. 
We depend on sources outside ourselves to maintain our Christian life. And the fallacy with Christianity oftentimes is it's just like we are literally, we limp in on Sunday. We're half spiritually dead. And I see this auditorium as one gigantic ICU where a pastor and some faithful teachers are hooking you up to a spiritual IV and pumping you up and get some fluids back in you because you starved yourself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You didn't walk with Jesus, and now you come. Can I say this to you? You're not going to make it just on Sunday. You're not going to make it. Your marriage is going to fall apart. Your relationships are going to fall apart. Your finances are going to fall apart. Your life's going to fall apart because you thought once you got saved, you were self-sufficient. And can I say this to you? You stopped feeding on the bread of life each and every day. Look at John 15. Precious passage. Look at what it says here, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch. So are you a vine or are you a branch? branch? We're a branch. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I don't know. I have tried to, and we're praying for this, this faithful pastor, Brother Hastings in, in Missouri. And we're praying for another pastor friend we heard that just this week. And some of you, the Bucknells, is that their name, Kathy? Blunk, the, the, the faithful evangelist, and, and he fell and hit his head and, and passed away. Two weeks ago, another, another evangelist or pastor who have a, a house full of kids, he was on a party just jumping around on a pogo stick with his kids and fell and hit his head. And now think about this. And God called him home. But this week, we've been looking and God, I've asked, I've asked the Lord. I don't know what Brother Gary's going through as he watched his granddaughter be called to heaven. But I know this, you never waste trials. And Gary's going to be a better preacher because on the other side of that, you're going to sustain him and you're going to give him power that's not his and strength that's not his. And child of God, your child and your grandchild may be doing just fine but can I tell you not when we have a trouble or a trial we need Jesus each and every day John 15 1 2 every branch of me that bears not verse number three ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you I want to go back to that abide in me brother Stephen explained this yesterday be glued to me I know that's not the Greek word but what he's saying bind us together once we get saved, we should be inseparable from our Savior. I mean inseparable. Watch this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Would you say this together, please, as a, as a group? For without me, ye can do. You know what? You can't raise a godly son or daughter without Jesus. You can't be a faithful deacon without Jesus. I can't be the pastor I need to be without Jesus. I can't do anything. You say, preacher, but I thought when I got saved, I got that spiritual steroid shot. No, you got to come back every day. Get a booster. 
Therefore, my life in Christ is never sufficient. We can only continue to live out the Christian life in direct proportion to our relationship with Christ. No wonder we're failing in this Christian life. We are starving spiritually. Go back to John 15. Verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Christ is one theme here about abiding in Him. Can I say this? How do I get the sustenance of the bread of life? Can I say this? That Jesus is the living word and this is the written word. When I get in it on Monday and Tuesday and my soul longs for that, I am in fact feeding on that bread of life when I'm feeding on the word of God. The sustenance to live the Christian life successfully to the glory of God begins with a constant day-by-day continual relationship with the Word of God. He is the living Word. This is the written Word. They are inseparable. How can we feed on Christ through His Word? Think about it. Think about it. And then meditate upon it and act upon it. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Those of you who know that, I'm quoting. It's not in the verses up here. But thou shalt meditate, thou shalt, what does it say? Joshua 1, verse 8. Oh, here it is. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Think about it. Meditate upon it. Act upon it. James 1, verse 21 through 26 Uh, gives us another that we have to look into that perfect law of liberty. Can I say this to you? An inspired book. And I'm going to say this to you. I know we're old-fashioned. I know we're rare. But we are one Bible people. And for a reason. Some people that don't believe about our God and our Savior like you and I did decided they'd come up with their own Bible and they dissected and they cut and they added to and took away from the eternal Word of God. But can I say this to you? When we look in this and inspire, do you believe this book is inspired? Above the Koran? Above the, uh, above the pearl of great price? This book is inspired. Can I say this to you? An inspired book has to have inspired readers. Preacher, I don't know. I just can't love that person. No, you can love that person because Christ can love that person. I can't forgive that person. Yes, you can. Get into the Word of God. Look up every passage in the Word of God about loving those that are unloving, about forgiving those that have done wrong against us. And you feed on the Word of Christ and you are feeding on something, that sustenance that will gather in your life. Go back to John 15 when feeding upon Christ daily. I am moved by the plans and purposes of Christ through prayer. Look at verse number 7 of chapter 15, John's gospel. We looked at the word of God. If I'm abiding in him, I must have a constant ongoing relationship with his word. Now watch this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall. Oh, we got a God that's a genie in a bottle. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying this, when we walk with God, we're in his word, we can trust our prayers, and he hears and answers them, all except Alan Frazier's. (laughs) I don't know about that prayer. I told him it's going to be a lot of months, Betty. We're not going to let Alan pray for several months till it's summer. All right? 
Christ then is the bread of life and the soul having received the life of Christ is now to be to be sustained by Christ. The atmosphere for that life is found in the Holy Spirit of God and the powers he brings with us. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. We don't have time to reach there. But the Bible says this and these, it says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now watch it. When I'm not hooked up to the life giving of the Word of God and I'm not on my knees in prayer and I'm just kind of trying to live the Christian life and I walk out of my house on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and I haven't fed on him, I haven't eaten from, from his word and I'm not led by his spirit, not only do I die spiritually, but I choose the flesh over the spirit. The Holy Spirit and his powers are the atmosphere of the Christian life. No wonder we can't live the Christian life as we ought to. We are starving to death. No continual relationship with the Bible. No active passion for Christ beating in my heart. No active prayer life. No walking in the Spirit. We name the name of Christ and we are dying spiritually. In John chapter 8, follow me as we get ready to close. Brother Paul, I was thinking about you in this message. Am I right? I mean, did you work? Was it actually rainbow for some time? When I was a kid... Back then, Brother Paul, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. Rainbow white bread came in a white package with yellow, real colorful little dots. Do you remember the... You're shaking your head, Jason. You're not, you're not old enough to remember that. You are? You are? Do you remember the slogan? Don't you say it, Brother Paul. Do you remember the slogan for, for rainbow bread? Helps build strong bodies 12 ways. Who said that? Thank you, Brother Wally. You know, because little what they did, can I tell you this, and I'm not going to try to be doctor, white bread is atrocious. It's horrible for you. There's nothing good in it. Might as well eat the package that the bread comes in. But watch this. But Rainbow Bread said this, hey, we're going to put 12 different vitamins and minerals and niacin and riboflavin and, and, and all of that stuff in that bread. And then we're going to sell it to moms. We'll give you your little kids eat munch on our bread, and we're going to make them strong bodies. <laughs> Brother Paul sold Rainbow Bread. What if you just ate Rainbow Bread? Are you going to be healthy? <laughs> You're not going to be healthy. Now follow me as we close. I want you to follow. Look at John 8 very quickly. John 8, verse number 46. What happens when we feed on Christ? John 8, 46. The Bible says, Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say that truly, why do you not believe me? Look at chapter 19. I think this is where we want. This is, I'm looking for a different verse. Chapter 19, let's try that. And verse number 4, chapter 19, John's gospel, verse number 4. Now watch this. Here's the one I was looking for. I'm sorry. Christ standing before Pilate. You see, now watch. I'll make another statement. Okay, let's go back. All life cannot sustain itself outside itself, correct? Mm -mm. You need to have a Wendy's burger every once in a while. <laughs> All right, you can't sustain yourself. All right? But everything we use to sustain ourselves comes from where? The hand of deity. Aren't you glad? Now watch this. But everything we intake is corrupted. Am I right? 
Brother Andrew, you and I talked about that. Darla, good to see you here today, but he was giving me a lowdown on stuff I already knew. Get that high fructose corn syrup out of your food. No MSG. It's all true. I understand. Understand. No matter what you eat, you know what? You think about this. I'm going to go get 100 carrots, and I'm going to juice them. Those 100 carrots probably were grown with pesticides, and you just drank a whole bunch of them. Everything we eat is tainted, isn't it? Except him. Except when we feed on Christ. Can I say this to you? You can't overdo it with feeding on Christ. And Jesus Christ is the only one that is not tainted in his character and his makeup. Perfectly holy. Perfectly righteous. Perfectly sinless. In John 8 there and look at verse number, verse number 4. Pilate therefore went forth and said unto them, Behold, I bring forth to you that ye may know that I find... No fault in him. Maybe you're sitting in an auditorium right now and you don't know about Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and you've not accepted Christ as Savior. Can I say this to you? If you're really looking for the truth and you'll listen and you'll read the Word of God and you might start with the book of John and ask the Holy Spirit of God to guide you. Can I say this to you? If you have an open mind, if your mind has not been shut off and tainted by academia or whoever, somebody who doesn't know Christ and you examine the claims of Christ and you examine the life of Christ, you you will come to the same conclusion Pilate did. I find no fault in him. When we feed on Christ, we feed on something that cannot and is not corrupted. So here's the conclusion. Our life must be measured by the life of Christ. Finish the verse if you can say it. Be ye holy. For I am holy. You know what Pueblo, Colorado needs. And I know this. And, and Lori, I want you to not only. I can't vote for you. But I'm knocking some heads. No. But uh, now watch a bit. I mean this honestly. I am praying for the election. And I do pray that Miss Winter gets in there. She's got some great ideas. But I'm going to say this to you and don't take this personal, Lori. What Pueblo needs is not better politicians. Pueblo needs Jesus. Amen. We do. Be holy, for I am holy. As my Father hath loved me, so loved I you. And you are to love one another. Number two, most Christians only feed on Christ on Sunday. You're not going to make it. You're going to wonder why you can't love, why you can't forgive. You're not feeding on Christ except one day of the week. The nature of the Christian life is to pick up his passion and pick up his purpose and, and partake in his suffering. But the sustenance of the Christian life is to feed on him. Number three, the Christian life must never be seen as a wonderful banquet. It's a daily feast. Are you with me? Why, what a wonderful banquet this Christian life is. Nope. It's a daily feast. And you and I are going to have to eat number four. Every successful church and pastor should allow the members to feed on the word of God. If you make your way to Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, I don't want you to hear, thus saith Pastor Rogers, thus saith Pastor Fine, thus saith Pastor Bliss, or thus saith Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor, Pat, Pastor, Pastor Patrick. I've never said that. Pastor Patrick. Pastor Patrick. That is something. I've never said that. What you want, if your heart is going to be filled, you want to walk out that door and you were filled with thus saith the Lord. Amen. And it is my job and our purpose to help you to feed on Christ. And lastly, every day, can I say this to you? And 
I love you. You purposely miss a church service and you're missing a meal. I don't know what Brother Rick has for us tonight, but it'll help us. You do that one service a week and just chat. And I understand this. We've got busy people. Some of you are working and getting prepared for work tonight. I understand that. Let me say this to you lastly. Every day I must yield to the Holy Spirit of God in my life. John 16, 13 through 18. When we read and contemplate on the Word of God, the Spirit reveals. When we meditate on Christ, the Spirit explains. When you obey what the Spirit reveals, then we are transformed. And I'm going to say this to you. I'm not near like Jesus like I want to be. But if I get into His Word and I get into my prayer closet and I allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead me and guide me and I yield to the Spirit of God and not yield to the flesh, something miraculous takes place in my life. I too become more like Jesus. Child of God, we got it all wrong. You thought you could just get saved, get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, that happened. Get your sins forgiven, that happened. But you're not going to be in church one year from now unless you learn not to feed on a pastor, not to feed on a, on a podcast, but you feed on Jesus. Every day, get into His Word. Every day, get on, his, on your knees. Finish this and we'll finish the message this morning. What is the work? The Bible say, Christ in you, the hope of all glory. Christ in you. You are in Christ once you get saved. Is Christ in you? Is he working? Is he moving? Is he transforming? I wonder somewhere this week as you picked up the burden of this church, never in the history of this church have I ever had so many people that are hospitalized or near end of death. And, and seen as I'm just thinking, sometimes I look to the Father and I say, Lord, I can't carry all the burdens. I can't do it all. How many of you know when you get down on your knees and you consistently and you prayerfully ask God to support Phil and Mary Wolford that God can be there when you can't? God can be at 50 Regency Court with George and Fern when we can't. Brother Gary had surgery. God can be at Brother and Mrs. Duncan's when we can't. God can be in Bozeman, Montana when we can't. God can be in Missouri, Columbia, Missouri when we can't. If we get down on our knees, He is all-sufficient, self-sufficient. Can I say this as we end this today? You might need a better pastor. I understand that. You don't need a better church and a better pastor and better people. You need Jesus. We need to feed on him.